before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of Shifts Happen, featuring my co-host Luke Groman of Forest for the Trees Research. This is a conversation all about the major shift in global monetary system, and a big part of that conversation has been de-dollarization from day one. And with uh, the amount of conversation uh, around that subject appearing in mainstream media and on Twitter and in newspapers and everywhere else, it, it seemed like a perfect time to bring Luke back and, and continue the conversation that we started a year ago. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and Shifts Happen, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go, hmm. So... If you enjoy what you hear on the show and you would like more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Luke Roman, hi mate, how are you? I'm doing great, Grant, how are you? I'll bet you 50 bucks I'm warmer than you. <laughs> you got more hair, so it's, that's probably well, always yeah, that's true, true, but it's, true. it's definitely true now. It's definitely true now. Well, my friend, listen, um, the conversation that we started at the beginning of this series was one that you and I have both talked about for geez, a decade now, almost. And we've both acknowledged that it's a really important conversation. It's an ongoing conversation, but it's just jumped so much in the kind of general coverage lately, this idea of de-dollarization. And uh, someone sent a chart out this morning, I think it was um, The Daily Shot, had a chart of tweets about de-dollarization and articles about de-dollarization in, in oh, the media. Oh, oh. And they've both gone through the roof, which makes sense. I, I, I get it. So, so I want to I come back to that. And there's a bunch of other things we'll talk about later, but I want to start with this de-dollarization thing. The conversations I said, you and I have been having this for some time, and it's become more and more of a kind of another one of those ideas that you have to stake out a side and then defend that side from all comers, left and right. And, <laughs> and the thing that, that's bewildered me is that you can argue imminent versus inevitable, right? And that's always a fair argument to have um, because what's one doesn't necessarily have to be the other. But I struggle to see how it's possible to argue that this process is not actually happening now. It's not pie in the sky. It's not something that was said by a, you know, a, a talking head or a minister somewhere in some obscure conference somewhere 10 years ago. This is actually happening and there's plenty of data to support that. So what I struggle with is the fact that there are a lot of people that say, okay, yeah, it's happening, but it doesn't matter. And that's the bit I want to try and get a handle on because I may be wrong, maybe it doesn't matter, but I struggle to see a way in which something as meaningful as this once it's underway, it doesn't matter. I agree. We've been talking about it so long. It's been really interesting to watch in real time alongside you the sort of uh, rhetorical or, or sort of classic progression of first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. Uh, the famous Gandhi quote or whoever it is, it is attributed to apocryphally, what have you. 
and it feels like we're in the they fight you stage, except it's not fight you, it's just then they fight. And I think there are two reasons why we're sort of seeing that. I think reason number one is there are a lot of people saying it would never happen. It's not happening. It isn't happening. And and presented, what's the old say, you know, most people when presented with the need to either change their mind or argue against the facts, they sort of get busy arguing against the facts. And I so I think there is an element of that we are watching in real time, including amongst some highly respected former policymakers, current policymakers, economists, et cetera. I, I think that's a part of it. I think the bigger part of it is that it feels a lot like a lot of us are talking past each other. Some of that is because there's some people who want to define it as black and white, right? So there is this de-dollarization, end of the dollar. I mean, if you Google de-dollarization, like half the articles are like, the dollar is the end of the dollar. And the other right, half are, right. are like, you know, why it's not the end of the dollar? So there's this black and white element or, or need to black and white. And some of that I think is because that's what gets clicks. And the reality is it's much more nuanced. And that then also leads to a whole lot of talking past each other, right? So it's not is the dollar dying or is it not dollar dying? De-dollarization does not equal the dollar dying. Then you have people say, well, it's not dying because look at the dollar share of global financial transactions. It's as dominant as ever. You kind of go, okay, agreed. And that's in why, in my opinion, it will remain the global transactional currency. Then you have the share of reserves, which uh, the dollar share of reserves had obviously a big uh, hubbub last week around Stephen Jen's report or note regarding a significant loss of share in FX reserves by the dollar if you adjust for currency movements. To be clear, I think share of reserves is way more important than share of transaction. That's why I've been very specific in our conversations. Oh my God, I don't think that that was going to lose the reserve currency status. I think the system is being restructured to a system with a neutral reserve asset that floats in all currencies. I happen to think that that is gold, at least in the intervening term. And we can see treasuries losing lots of share to gold, like a lot of share over the last eight years to gold. And now it's starting to lose share more rapidly to other sovereign bonds as well. I think also share of energy transactions is a side of this that for me is super important, is barely ever talked about by the sort of the two mainstream sides of dollar death, not dollar death. And then you get into how share of energy transactions outside the dollar that, or that are de-dollarized, how that plays into marginal pricing of commodities around the world, how that plays into the balance of payments, interests of nations like China, of Russia, of India, of Europe, of Japan, how that plays into balance of payments, interests in the United States and in the United States of the financial sector. United States industrial and, and Pentagon military sector. And then there's still <laughs> like there's only been a few in the whole de-dollarization conversation at the mainstream level who are allowed to say the four-letter word, which is gold. And the fact that China opened its capital account up on a limited basis through gold nine years ago. And nobody wants to say that within this. It's always how their capital accounts not open. What are they going to settle in? And you can see it happening, but it's a lot of conventional economists are simply allergic to the word. They're not invited to the right parties. They can't get the Nobel if they say the word gold. So 
I, I, as I sit back, I go, okay, I think there's some element where it's like, uh-oh, I'm wrong. I better find a, you know, other facts or I better ignore this. But I think the bigger part is it's a much more nuanced concept than a lot of the mainstream discourse realizes or wants to realize because it's just more fun to talk about dollar death or not dollar death. Yeah, no, no, absolutely right. There's so much in there that we need to talk about. And we'll come back to gold and energy later, because I think they're a pretty big part of this topic. But let's go back to that Stephen Jen article. It was published, I think, 18th of April. And um, it was it, Bloomberg talked about it. And it says the dollar is losing its reserve status at a faster pace than generally accepted, as many analysts have failed to account for last year's wild exchange rate moves, according to Stephen Jen. And here we get into some of the numbers. Adjusting for exchange rate movements, the dollar has lost about 11% of its market share since 2016 and doubled that amount since 2008. And to quote Jen directly, the dollar suffered a stunning collapse in 2022 in its market share as a reserve currency, presumably due to its muscular use of sanctions. Exceptional actions taken by the US and its allies against Russia have startled large reserve holding currencies, most of which are emerging economies from the so-called global south, they said. Now, the chart that comes along with that, and you reprinted that in the excellent tree rings that you put out on the 23rd of the month, you know, shows that going back to 2004, the real change in share of reserve currency transactions here. And the dollar, it's a pretty stark chart. Now, there will be people that want to interpret that chart in different ways, and that's fine. But let's talk about the reserve currency component of this first, before we get on to reserve assets. Because I think the distinction you make is a crucial one. And again, I don't see many people making that distinction when they decide to tackle this issue. It's all global reserve currency and nothing more. So talk about the difference between the two and how you view the two. Sure. So most people I see engaged in this de-dollarization discussion are looking at the world through the post-1971 dollar global reserve currency structure lens, which is to say the dollar is the reserve currency and the treasury bond is the primary reserve asset. And those two are together and there is no distinction made between the two. And so you get this question that is a very valid question. It's one of the most common questions, which is, what currency is going to replace the dollar if the dollar is being replaced as global reserve currency? And so you have to be very careful because there's a couple straw man arguments sort of stacked up that they can you know knock the hell out of right there, which is nothing's going to replace the dollar as global reserve currency. What is going to happen is we are going to separate for the first time since 1971, not even we're going to, it is happening to your point earlier. We are separating the global reserve currency from the global reserve asset. Dollars still being used, and you can see that in terms of the transaction numbers, which, uh, for example, in Robin Wigglesworth, I believe at the uh, at FT highlighted, hey, it's it's gone from 85% to 88%. So there's, there's actually more usage. Primary reserve asset, on the other hand, requires you to run deficits under the post-71 system. And here again is why it's nuanced and why so many people are having a hard time wrapping their minds around it is this is their only framework. They seem to forget that from 46 to 71, the neutral reserve asset was gold. You traded in dollars and ultimately it was gold that you settled in at a fixed rate. And that's a separate discussion, right? It was pegged to the dollar and that's a separate discussion in terms of structure. But there was a neutral reserve asset. And that is what we're moving back to for a pretty pragmatic reason that here too, it's not happening proponents get absolutely right, which is, the Chinese do not want to run the deficits needed to supply the debt as the neutral reserve asset. 
Exactly. The Europeans do not want to run. The Japanese do not, right. The UK do, does not or cannot run. Okay, you're, yes, 100% they don't want to because it would require them to hollow out their uh, manufacturing bases in the way the United States The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.